If you're looking to experience more pleasure in your life and a deeper level of connection with yourself and or your intimate partners in 2023, let's work together. Hello, I'm Stacey O, maitre d' of Finger Food Podcast and Holistic Sexuality Coach. You can apply to work with me by visiting my website, www.stacyogorman.com, or by clicking the link on this podcast bio. Welcome to Finger Food. I'm your maitre d', Stacey O, and I'm here to serve you intimate conversations around sexuality and pleasure. On the menu is a selection of heart-to-hearts with people who vulnerably share their stories, insights, and perspectives. This podcast is about sex and so much more. We explore connection, letting go of judgment, and accepting ourselves exactly as we are. Let's dine. In this episode, I chat to Brady Polkinghorn. Brady is the director of the Kindness Institute, a youth development charity based in Tamaki Makoto, Auckland, New Zealand. He loves the blend of mindfulness, te ao Māori, and supporting youth mental health through his kaupapa. Outside of his work, Brady loves nerding out on mindfulness, self-inquiry, and meditation. He's a self-proclaimed rookie surfer, decent trail runner, and budding scriptwriter. Mostly, he loves hanging out with his family and friends for nourishing corridor. For him, it's connection above all else. Oh, and yeah, did I mention? He's my ex-husband. In this intimate conversation, we get into the nitty-gritty of our sexless marriage. We talk about sex therapy, masculinity, performance anxiety, losing identity in the relationship, finding love after divorce, and becoming dear friends after a breakup. It's great to have you here at the table. Let's get started. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, welcome Brady. <laughs> to not queer. I am feeling like very excited to have you on the potty and I'm also feeling a little bit nervous because this feels rather vulnerable as obviously we used to be married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're going to dissect that a little bit today. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honour to be here and the feeling is mutual. Excitement, bit of nerves, but yeah, ultimately grateful to be here. Mm, Yay. All right. Well, let's just get straight into it. So first and foremost, where are you from and what's your family background? Tēnā koe, ko wai au, ko moihau te maunga, ko wai hoa te awa, ko tikapa te moana, ko hauraki te whenua, ko tainui te waka, huiri tēnei ngā te tamatera, Aroha mai, uh, no Tamaki Makoto aho, K Grayland Taku Kainga, called Brady Tokuingua. So, yeah, my name's Brady. Thank you for the introduction. I'm from Auckland originally, born and raised in Mount Albert in Sandringham, but I fuck up up to the Hauraki region and to Ngati Tamatera 
And so that's something I'm very big into at the moment is the reclamation of my papa and connecting more to my tūpuna, which is not something that I had growing up mm. for various reasons, which we might dive into a bit later. I had a wonderful upbringing, very loving parents. Is that the question we're doing? Yeah, what's your, what's your family background? That's exactly what we're doing. Okay, I just got on a roll. And just, um, just quickly, just for the people that are listening that are not from New Zealand, can you just explain what a whakapapa is? Yes, yeah, so whakapapa is lineage. So essentially the ancestors that I come from, the land that the, my ancestors walked upon, mm. and it's really one of the most essential tenets or sort of values and philosophies in te ao Māori, the world of Māori, mm. that we are a product of our ancestors, our tūpuna, and we're here because of what they've done. And so that's, yeah, very brief overview, but something I'm really passionate about and trying to connect to more and more. Mm. And it gives me a, a stronger sense of purpose and who I am and it's a tricky journey. For me, it's starting with te reo Māori, so reclaiming the language of mm. Māori, but it's ultimately fulfilling within that challenge. And, yeah, I think of, you know, my nana and her generation where te reo Māori was not allowed to be spoken um, and they'd literally mm. get hit with the cane at school if they spoke te reo. And um, now it feels like I've got kind of a duty to pick that up and really embody as much as possible. Beautiful. Did you want to share anything about more about your family background? Or Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. So, yeah, I have such fond memories of growing up. I was surrounded by loving parents, both in their different ways. My mum was very affectionate and validating and would express her love in various ways, which I think I probably passed on somewhat in our relationship, you know, <laughs> just little notes and little ways of saying, hey, I love you, whereas my dad was <laughs> – very few in terms of words, but um, his actions always spoke of love, which mm. I can see now in hindsight. Mm. So, yeah, grew up really like middle class kind of background, both really hardworking parents. I have two older brothers. The oldest is adopted and both me and my middle brother are what we call miracle babies. So, you are a miracle baby. You're <laughs> both you. miracle babies. Thank you very much. I'd say I'm the biggest miracle because <laughs> I was the last one to come. He You're would the greatest debate miracle. Yeah, yes, exactly. absolutely. And yeah, within that, I would say that there were some, you know, and a bit of a trigger warning here, some pretty traumatic experiences mm. um, through my older brother being quite violent mm. within the family. So that definitely shaped the trajectory of Alfano. It's obviously had its individual impact on each of us in our own different ways. But I would say that I was ultimately really sheltered from that. I think my parents and my middle brother really put a lot of emphasis on that and I'm super grateful for mm. them for doing that. But also through those quite gnarly experiences, it's shown me what true unconditional love is because mm. I've seen my parents exhibit that, especially towards my older brother who sometimes a lot of the time isn't very lovable, mm. you know. Mm. So to see their commitment to constantly being there for him, supporting him, regardless of some of the crazy shit that he's done, is just to me the most tangible, apparent version of love that I can think of and I've seen. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so... I guess in terms of the yeah, rest of my background, went to a public primary school, loved it, went to private, intermediate and high school, didn't love it as much, mm -hmm. but it set me up wonderfully well because I now have an epic group of friends that we've been friends since we were 12, you yeah, know, for wow. some of us. So it's those connections that I really value mm. and definitely don't underestimate. Yeah. And... Yeah, since then, a lot of my 20s onwards was indirectly trying to find some purpose. And it's gone in so many different ways, <laughs> as you know, um, through 10 years working in advertising, hmm. studying advertising at university, thinking that was the one, realizing pretty early on that it's not, but just feeling stuck in that mm -hmm. to, yeah, more recently where... I've connected with a, a co-popper and a job that really fulfills me, makes me feel like I'm contributing to something bigger than myself. And 
that's sort of me in a nutshell, really. Amazing. And in terms of, do you feel like talking to your parents, are they still together? Are they not still together? Any of that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I know. Yeah, you know. But if yeah. that feels comfortable to share. Absolutely. Yeah. So my parents split when I was about 12 years old. They were married for 26 years before that. There was a lot of tension, um, obviously, through things with my older brother, but just relationship things. And I think for me and my middle brother, when it happened, it was almost like, oh, okay, that's a relief. It felt better for everyone Mm -hmm. that that was the case. My mum, not long after, started to see women Mm -hmm. and... That was interesting. You know, there was a woman hanging out and I was just like, oh, that's one of mum's friends and started to realise, oh, she's hanging out a lot more. And then, yeah, my mum sort of told me and my brother that, you know, she's seeing this woman and Mm. is now attracted to women. And I remember crying at that point when she told me, but I wasn't sad Mm. because I was so young. I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm crying. Mm. Like, I'm actually really happy for you. (laughs) And it was... It sort of stuck with me of um, an interesting, really early example of just how my body was expressing Mm. without much thought to it. And I remember my nana saying at the time, you know, she's of a generation that maybe would have been less accepting of gay couples or lesbian women. Mm. And her phrase, I think, just sums it up so well. It's like, if you're happy, then I'm happy. Yeah, that stuck with me as well. And so, yeah, they're both now married to their respective partners. Both seem really happy with who they are and Mm. where they are. And it's, again, really amazing to me to see how they've stuck together to support my older brother and kept that connection, which is based on support, Mm. alive. Mm. Um, And actually has inspired me a lot with our relationship post breakup and divorce. Mm, Mm. Beautiful. That's so incredible. They're such an inspiration. That's been, I mean, I cannot even imagine, begin to imagine what that journey would have been like with them through with your older brother. And it's hectic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has been at times for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, next, what are your pronouns and what do they mean to you? My pronouns are he, him, Mm -hmm. and it's something I've been reflecting on only recently, quite honestly. I don't think even four or five years ago it would have even been in my sphere of awareness Mm. of pronouns, what they mean, the importance of them. But through my mahi with the Kindness Institute, we support rangatahi with mental well-being and hoorta tools, as you know, and through that we often support young people who may be transitioning or discovering their own sexuality and identity and their place in the world. And seeing that and observing their bravery and courage through that journey Mm. is really the point that I reflect on. And coming back to that point of importance, knowing how important it is for them to have that really clear point of identification to say, yeah, this is who I am and I'm not that anymore Mm. um, if they are transitioning. Whereas before I'd say, oh, it's yeah, I present as a male Mm. and end of story. Yeah. But I now understand it's so much more nuanced than that and I love just how much all there is around it and what it means to me is a place of learning still always like I don't have a clear answer on what it means for me personally mm. I would say it folds into the the conversation around masculinity and femininity that mm. you know I only discovered through our journey of how we might navigate our relationship and th- just thinking well masculinity is for men and Mm. femininity is for women. And finding it so confronting to figure out or hear that, you know, there's other interpretations of that and it's not this really clear-cut black and white thing. You know, there's Mm. movement through it and there's a spectrum and we all align at different points on that spectrum 
and move along that spectrum as well. They're not definite or constant. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm enjoying that learning process and that's it, I think. Oh, that was a really strong answer. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the on the fly ones, I think. (laughs) Yeah, that was really, really, yeah, insightful and, yeah, beautiful to hear your experiences with working with the rangatahi, the kids around their journeys with transitioning and, and noticing that it's a bigger piece than just feeling like, well, I'm a man and, and that's that's how it is and that's mm. <laughs> what I've been taught. And it's like, yeah, as you say, like a, a nuance to an awareness of other people's experiences as opposed to just your own. I think that was a really beautiful, eloquent description of that. So thank you. Namahi. <laughs> All right. And what is your sexual orientation in this moment, Brady Polkinghorn? Currently heterosexual and really enjoying it at the moment, Mm -hmm. I would say. Definitely not something I've always enjoyed in terms of defining it as being attracted to the opposite sex. Mm. Yeah, I think for me it's, it's always been a lot deeper than just the sexual connection with women. Like I feel myself really drawn to female energy. You can probably relate. Like I think when we first got together, (laughs) even before that when we were just friends in London Mm. and I'd constantly just be hanging out with like you and (laughs) all of all of the lady friends, you know? Yes. And just would love it and feel so comfortable and at ease and like I belonged in that space. Which can be interpreted in so many different ways. But I reflect back on when I was at primary school, I had a lot of friends who were girls. And then through intermediate and high school, I started to get really intimidated by the opposite sex, by women, because there suddenly became this expectation of attraction or potential attraction Mm. and thinking, oh, what's changed from just being friends? Like, maybe I like them. Maybe they're like me. What do I do? what sex? How does that happen? It's all so fucking scary. I don't even want to go near it. It's a clusterfuck. Yeah. It's a clusterfuck. Sort of like the 40-year-old virgin, but, you know, (laughs) the 13-year-old virgin (laughs) just going, what is this? And so it meant over that time I I sort of struggled to navigate those female-based friendships, which I often lament about because I feel like I lost a lot of time and potential long-lasting relationships. It's not to say I don't have any. I'm very lucky to have some wonderful wahine connections from that time. Mm. But, yeah, it is something that I think about in terms of what my sexual orientation means. And I guess the summary of that is it goes a lot further than just sex as Mm. an act. Beautiful. I love that. Okay, so... We're going to get into the the real nitty-gritty here. The juicy bits. <laughs> um, obviously, as I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, we were once married. We are now divorced. We were married for six years and, well, five years actually, and together for six years. Correct. I've obviously talked about this on various podcasts and it's been a, a huge part of my process and journey um, sharing my journey with it quite publicly and I would love to hear your version of events in terms of our sex life and how that was for you from the sort of very beginning to how it all unfolded and, yeah, basically your version of the events. (laughs) (laughs) Very interested in. Yeah. Listen up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm here to dispel all the lies. (laughs) You've got one shot, one opportunity. (laughs) No, I'm. You know, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack. Yeah, a lot to unpack. I don't yeah. know how long do we have. <laughs> I mean, keep it <laughs> keep, short and yeah. sweet and kind. You know. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm appreciative to have the opportunity to talk mm. about how it was for me. So, Imhiana Kiakwe for that, and thank mm. you. From the start, I think we had such a beautiful friendship mm. that then led into you know, some deeper, more meaningful feelings. But I think for me at the time, that friendship was just such a a beacon of hope that 
you know, I'd just come out of a pretty hectic breakup and you were just so supportive during that time. Mm. And I think that just superseded any potential sexual attraction or spark in that sense. So for me, I'd always, in those early days, like if we were apart, I'd be longing for you, Mm. but not in a sexual sense. Mm. And it wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to see her and like rip her clothes off. Mm. It was, I can't wait to see her and be held. So I think that in hindsight was, I wouldn't say a warning bell because it was just so nourishing for me, Mm. but it was a sign that, you know, it was going to be an uphill battle (laughs) for both of us when that connection wasn't there from the start, I don't think. Mm. Not to say I I personally willed it to be there. You know, Mm. I was really like, ah, like wanting this but it wasn't like an innate thing. It was just like kind of, oh, I know that we should be doing this rather than it just happening naturally. Mm, mm. So then I think as time progressed and, you know, we had the opportunity, we sort of been together for a year and then it was like, oh, I can stay if we get married, piggyback off your passport. Thank you for that. So you used me. Is that what you're saying? A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> I think you actually <laughs> proposed to me first. If we're... <laughs> I did, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was like an interesting point because it was like our, our commitment to be together is obviously so strong, mm. so much so that we went through like a shotgun wedding experience and all of that just so we could stay together. But mm. not long after then it became really apparent like, oh, this is not working. You know, we just weren't having any penetrative sex, Mm. any sort of foreplay type elements were pretty quickly shut down from both sides, Mm -hmm. I think. And personally, this is getting quite intimate, I guess, that um, I struggled because often it it would be painful for you if we did Mm. get to penetrative sex and I started to get a response of, well, I don't want to hurt you, Mm. so it's I don't want to try. Mm. That was essentially the sort of dead end road that I came to Yeah. in my mind. It's like, well, this just isn't an enjoyable experience. I became fearful. And then I think the gulf sexually just grew from there. Mm. And I also didn't have the tools to navigate that personally. Neither. No. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. Mm. Mm. Oh my God. Yes. I so hear what you're saying. And especially to the point on like in the early stages of the relationship, like the sense of perhaps I felt like I was your support and it also felt like you were my support, you know, and I feel like that was what drew us together. And I also feel like there was a deep sense of intimacy and like Mm. in our, like we were very like touchy feely and like I'd like, you know, I, I remember in the very early stages, like, it was, like, horny in the sense of, like, if we were out in public, like, I'd want to, like, hook up with you. Mm. But it was, like, as soon as it came to, like, penetrative sex, it felt wrong or something right mm. from the beginning, I would say, almost. Yeah. But then we were, like, well, this is so, everything's so fucking good outside of that. So we just dismiss that and we just work with and we try and work on that throughout it. Yeah, that's bang on. And then it feels like... Yeah, I can totally, I mean, my my journey was, it was really painful for me and I think I wasn't really tuning in with my needs or what actually, what I was wanting because I wasn't aware of what I wanted in my body. I felt very disconnected to my body at that stage. So it makes perfect sense that your reaction or your, um, how you felt in that moment around me being like, oh, this is painful and you not wanting to hurt me. So then that putting like a massive barrier between doing it again and again and again. It makes perfect sense that you wouldn't want to hurt me and you wouldn't want to do that. And so there's this like, <laughs> mm. yeah. And saying that, it, it makes it feel very one way, which it wasn't. Mm. That's one of the aspects. Mm. The other is that I already brought a lot of my own fear into our relationship, mm. especially around sex, mm. that my mind would just be overrun with, negative thoughts, I can't do it, I'll come too quick, Mm. I'm no good at it, this rolodex of harmful thoughts to myself Mm. 
So it was almost like a get out of jail free card, like to lean on, oh, well, this is too sore for you. So let's just not, because in my mind, it would be like, yeah, good. You've just dodged a potentially shameful experience. Mm. You've missed this potentially like hurtful thing. So good job. (laughs) You know, that's the shame talking and the fear sort of being like, yeah, don't do it, man. It's going to end badly like all of those other times. And I can see that now, but again, at the time, I didn't have any awareness of what to do with those thoughts, Mm. that none of them were true, that I was just stuck in my own mind and how much that impacted our relationship, especially sexually, Mm. was something that I've reflected on a lot since. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I don't know if we've actually ever had that, we've never talked about it this deeply, I would say. No. And I would say those thoughts were definitely going through my my mind as well. Like, I'm no good at this. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Sex has always been painful and shit. Like, I'm frigid. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if that's an appropriate word these days, but... Honestly, I feel like I was just like, this is just going to be shit and no one was taking the lead in the party and that that was ultimately, I guess we were just both experiencing quite a similar situation and both of us wanted someone to take (laughs) the lead and no one was doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just didn't know how. Yeah. I literally didn't know how to take the lead because I'd had very few experiences of doing that Mm. and it actually working or working, you know, like going well. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, I don't even know what to do here. I'm just, that's just not, and, you know, let's read a book mm, yes. <laughs> or watch Netflix oh again or like <laughs> whatever distraction piece was close enough. Just be yeah. like, <laughs> yes. or, you know, talk about the slugs that are eating the plant that are freaking <laughs> oh you out. Oh, my God. The fucking slugs, man. <laughs> I think I was slightly psychotic in those Yes. Um, no comment. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, this is about you. This isn't about me. So, <laughs> this episode has been made with the support of Remind. Mindfulness has been one of the biggest tools to get me out of my head and into my body in the bedroom and beyond. It's helped me experience far more sensation and pleasure in my body than I thought possible. A moment of calm to be present with yourself. You just worked on your mental fitness. That wasn't too hard, was it? We all know what we need to do. Sometimes you just need a reminder. Remind creates tools for a mindful life. From courses to cushions, they service the contemporary practitioner. Practice Presence is their most renowned course with six weeks of practice, exercises, and lessons to help you set up for success. And of course, their luxury body meditation cushion, as seen in hot wellness mum Instagrams all over Auckland. This is a tangible tool that helps lift your hips and acts as a cuddle buddy on those lonely nights. Find Remind on Instagram at remind.nz or visit their website, www.remind.nz. So obviously at the end, nearing the end of our relationship, so just before we travelled for a year and um, we were leaving London, we ended up obviously realising we took a break and then realising like, okay, we do want to work this out. Like we're married, we love each other. It would be amazing if we could just get the sex element (laughs) on lock, you know. So we ended up going to sex therapy first in London and then while we were traveling online. What was your experience of that? And as we were sort of working through all the tools and the, the work, how was your experience of all of that? And how did you experience yourself? And yeah. Mm. I found it so confronting. Mm. And shameful in two senses of the word. Like I was filled with shame Mm. and it felt like such a shame to be so close to this like fully formed 
beautiful relationship, which it was in so many ways, mm. but it really felt like, yeah, we just couldn't quite get there. Mm. And I took on a lot of that for being, you know, my responsibility and because of me, like this is why we're going through this because I can't take the lead. Mm. I can't quieten my mind. I can't be better at sex, all of these things. But I also at the time remember feeling really proud of us and still do because we actually did it, mm. you know, we not sex. <laughs> but <laughs> Just to clarify. Yeah, just to be clear. <laughs> One thing we didn't do. <laughs> but we, we acknowledged like, yeah, there's something really special here and let's do our fucking best mm. to try and make it work. And it felt like we did a lot, you know, from, as you said, the sex therapy in London to whilst we're traveling. Like I remember dialing in with Juliet Allen mm. from the jungles of Laos or something or Cambodia somewhere yeah. and just being like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> why don't we just fuck? I know. <laughs> no. But it, it was also... <laughs> <laughs> And I remember being somewhere in some dusty, shitty hostel in Laos and being like, you were like, okay, let's do our worksheet from <laughs> Julia Allen and we're in some kind of like raggedy-ass tent. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, nah, man, I don't know if, nah, I don't know if I'm keen. <laughs> you can't be fucked doing the exercises in the shitty hostel. Nah. <laughs> I hear that. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> like we were like those diligent students, like committed to the studies, but like couldn't do any of the practical, yes. you know, A, A plus students for the written exam. Oh my God, yes. When it came time to the actual practicum. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, which is so interesting because I usually thrive in the practicums <laughs> and suck at the academics. <laughs> I'm about a C minus in both usually, so <laughs> probably didn't bring much to the table there. I do feel like it was just intensely transformational for me, mm. that whole journey. Like I, I literally wouldn't be where I am doing what I'm doing, feeling the way I feel now had we not done all of that. Yeah. It literally changed the trajectory of my life, which is fairly obvious to say because yeah. we're now div divorced and all those things. It's like, yeah, of course, bro. But I may not have learned these incredible tools that I now know that can help me self-regulate, that mm. help me relax and calm myself and be myself and feel confident and all of those amazing things had we not gone through that process together. Because mm. it was the incentive of trying to get a better sex life that made me do it. It was mm. like the dangling carrot in front. If it was just up to me, I probably would have been like, oh, no, I can't be bothered sitting for this 20-minute practice. Like, well, who cares? Yeah. But it was like you sit for this 20-minute practice, bro, and you do it every day because you need to figure this out. Mm. So, yeah, intense, confrontational, shameful, but also transformational. Amazing. Mm. I love that. I love that. And I'm also just reflecting in this moment on like that decision that we made when we were starting our one-on-one -on -one stuff with Juliet and we were just like, okay, we're going to sign up for this one-on-one -on -one coaching and it's either going to make us or break us, as you say. And are we okay with that? Mm -hmm. That's what we're diving into. So we know that this is either going to be over or it's going to thrive. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that moment. For sure. Mm. I, I think I actually remember one earlier, like when we were seeing our therapist in mm. London and I think the question was something like, you know, what what are you most scared of or something like that mm. in terms of that particular situation. And I remember my response being like, that it doesn't work. Yeah. But it almost I remember saying that and like choking up because it felt like at that point there was already an inevitability. Mm. But we still went for it, you know, we, mm. we, and that's credit to us, I think. Yeah. And back to that sort of transformational part, I think what was really pivotal was that we also went and did our own work. Mm. 
we, it wasn't just like, okay, well, we're going to see therapy and it's on both of us to turn up and talk about it in this one session. You know, I sort of went down the mindfulness meditation route. Mm. You got stuck into yoga and, you know, various other things. And mm. I think that's such a key part of it. Yeah. Because we were obviously not, you know, meeting in the middle when it came to sex together. So we had to kind of figure out what our individual experiences were and individual blockages or challenges or traumas mm. to really then come back together and go, okay. But I just don't think we had enough lead time mm. on that personal development, self-inquiry aspect for each of us individually. Yeah. We came together probably too quickly, but that's all we knew. So Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. That's such a good point on, yeah, like if we were just left to our own devices of the therapy just for ourselves, I don't think we would have got anywhere because I felt really, I remember sitting down in that therapy room <laughs> on the first day and she's like, okay, so what are your fantasies? And you were able to articulate your fantasies really well. And I was like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> this sucks. Like never go to therapy again, Brady. <laughs> Like there's almost like you can use each other to almost like escape or mm. feel bad about yourself if the other person is thriving within that or For vice sure. versa. Yeah, and blame. You yeah. know, it's like this is your problem, not mine. Yes. Or, yeah, dodging it together, as you said. Yeah, there's so many different ways to do it, whereas, yeah, that, that personal journey is just sort of on you, mm. you know, mm. which makes it really hard. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no doubt about it, but. It has different outcomes, different benefits, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So, the breakup. (laughs) We were in Cambodia. It was, I mean, a really uh, dark time. (laughs) I remember just feeling beside myself and just, like, feeling, like, hopeless and avoidant and not wanting to go into anything, but also knowing that I couldn't like live like we were living anymore. And I remember being in that hotel in Cambodia just before we were going to the the retreat and just being, feeling like a sense of hopelessness. And then obviously that unfolded to having the conversations and then ending things. What was your, I guess, experience of the breakup? Intensely painful. Mm. Yeah probably still is my marker for emotional pain Mm. and sadness and like really awkward (laughs) because we were just sort of, you know, walking on eggshells around each other. It was sort of like the end is nigh, (laughs) neither one knowing what to do about it. Yeah, It's like, yeah, let's just go to this yoga retreat center to volunteer and work, never mind the fact that we're like... (laughs) spiraling into divorce, you know? Yeah. And I remember the conversation in our shack that had recently been flooded with rainwater. (laughs) (laughs) And like two things come to mind was like one, your strength and bravery to actually say it, Mm. say what you were feeling. And it was so needed because I didn't have that. I couldn't have said, yeah, hey, I think this is done. I was sort of like holding on for dear life. Mm. But it was also deeply hurtful. I took it really personally. I think there was some kind of statement around like, don't find me sexy or something like that, which I just really held on to and have held on to for quite some time since. Mm. It's sort of a construct of like, oh, okay, I'm not sexy. And that's not on you. That's the stuff that I've been working through. Mm. And thankfully now I feel very sexy. <laughs> You're fucking sexy. <laughs> I regret ever saying that. But I think it was it was just your way of articulating to say here's a finite thing and I needed to hear that in a mm. way because otherwise I would have been like, but what about, oh, but we, we could try this thing and, oh, you know, we haven't done that. But it was like, okay, there's no moving on from here. Mm-hmm. Like that's the line in the sand and I respect that. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I just remember that that sort of final meeting that we had, which was like beautiful and fucking sad. And mm. I feel I feel like we just acknowledged it in such a good way. But then I remember I was biking back to my um really subpar 
like gym that I was staying at. (laughs) (laughs) So weird, just down the road and just like wailing. Like I'd never cried like that before and it was really unsafe because I was on the road and I just didn't know what the fuck I was doing and, you know. Sorry to laugh. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's, just... it is. It's laughable. It's sort of like a, a Judd Epito movie moment, you know, like, oh, my God. And just being, yeah, in the depths of grief and sadness, following that for quite some time, feeling really lost, felt like my identity had been lost put so much into the construct of being a husband and when that was taken away not through force or by you just when that wasn't there anymore Mm. I felt really yeah lost I didn't know who I was what I was supposed to be doing yeah it was just a pretty shit time overall (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it was a shit time Mm. it was a shitty old time yeah and okay so Firstly, I I guess I just want to acknowledge that it was a really fucking shit time and, yeah, and that you definitely weren't alone in that and I really hear you on the feeling of being lost and that being almost the the reason why we were holding on for dear life for probably far too long is because it is so scary to know what's on the other side of a breakup especially one when you've gotten married so young and you've committed to each other so deeply and... Yeah, just like acknowledging that pain that you felt and, yeah, that I can fully relate to that feeling of like, what, who am I now? Like having a fucking identity crisis. Big time. Yeah. And I was just, I couldn't stop worrying about you either. You know, it was like, I felt like that was just so ingrained on me and then when it was like, oh, okay, no more. It's like, oh, man, I hope she's okay and... Because I knew that it was, you know, you were hurting too. It wasn't like mm. this. Yeah, okay, later, bro. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I appreciate that acknowledgement as yeah. well. Mm. Amazing. So what would you have done differently upon reflection in the relationship? Mm. It's a tricky question, eh? Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> it rolled out exactly as it was meant to. Yeah, but totally. communicate mm. a lot more clearly a lot earlier. You know, I think we just spoke to it earlier in this podcast around we were basically having the same experience in our heads, lots of fear, mm. lots of shame. But as you said, we've only just talked about it now. Yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. <laughs> Whatever it is, eight years later mm. since we were probably having those challenges. So definitely that, just the openness to talk about whatever's going on and not just what we think each other want to hear. You know, I think that's really integral in any part of relationship. But Mm. now in hindsight, especially for sex, would have definitely put more attention on self-inquiry, self-development, whatever you want to call that, self-work. Because I think we both needed it so much. And like like we said, we propped each other up. But then when one of us weren't available for that support, Mm. the other one fell down. Yeah. And we were so dependent on each other in that emotional sense. Yeah. Whereas we couldn't stand separately in our own strength Mm. and then come together and share that. So that would be a key thing. Mm. And just try to have more fun with sex in general. Like (laughs) take the pressure off it, you know, like holy shit. The most intense elephant in the room that ever existed. And it's like. Just not even sitting on the bed, just like sitting on both of us, this like giant elephant. Like holding us down, like suffocating us. (laughs) It was almost like every time it was like we're stepping in to play the Wimbledon final or something, you know, there was this intense amount of pressure (laughs) to perform or like make it this like earth shattering sexual experience oh. where, you know, the heavens opened up and no. we orgasm for 45 minutes. No. And just, nah, like, that's it. We didn't try enough in a fun way. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I like that. Mm. And I remember thinking when we were going through all that stuff, I think I even talked to the therapist about it that we mm. went to see. It was like, I feel like I'm quite a fun, light person <laughs> yeah. generally, you know? like to have a laugh in that. <laughs> yeah. But 
in the bedroom, I was just like the stiffest. <laughs> that's a poor choice of word. The <laughs> just like you know, like oh, just, what do I do with my hands? And it's like I just so disconnected from yeah. who I am and what I'm like and what I like and all of those things. So yeah, those are three things I'd try and do earlier. Or mm. Got another chance. Beautiful. Yeah. Fucking love that. And okay, what has sex and relating been like for you post marriage, post all of that, all mm. of those shenanigans? <laughs> Tumultuous, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. <laughs> High highs, low lows. Roller coaster. Roller coaster yeah. for sure. One of those real intense American roller coasters, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think, yeah, my first sexual experience was actually really since, you know, post-out breakup and divorce was actually really enlivening because I, I quickly figured out like, oh no, I'm actually all right at this. Like, <laughs> it, it's yes. all good. Like you, you got some things to offer here, which for so long I just didn't think or feel. Mm. It was just like, you know, I even think there was a point where I was ready for a sexless marriage, like by choice. It was like, okay, yeah. this is just the future. Totally. We're just not going to be fucking. I think we were like, oh, shit, we want to have kids, so should we just like inject me somehow? <laughs> like how do we do this without actually doing the act? And I remember thinking we're actually having those conversations. This is fucked, but I could get down with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Thank Goodness, we didn't do that. Hundred percent. That was the mindset, wasn't it? Yeah, that, yeah, I think it was okay. We want to have kids together. Yeah, how do we do that? Sex. Oh, <laughs> that's not going to work. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's good. Yeah. So that was a really good experience for me. It's like, mm. okay, yeah, can do sex. Not bad at it. Where do we go from here? But I think, yeah, overall, like I've had some really great sexual experiences and partners since that time. If I was to unpack it, I'd probably say I've been more inclined to go for that form of relationship, like predominantly sexual over mm. allowing myself to fall for someone or or go deeper into the couple aspect of a relationship or however you want to phrase that. Mm kind of making up for lost time in a way. It's not to say I've been like this crazy rabbit <laughs> getting around far from it, but more like, okay, I really, really want to focus on this part. Mm. And if I find someone I really love hanging out with, great. If not, then Katie you know, it's all good. Mm. But in saying that, yeah, I've been seeing someone recently who's amazing and mm. I just feel really comfortable and open and curious with her. And it feels like a little bit of an awakening for me mm. where I'm just experiencing things that I haven't before and I'm just like so stoked on it and it's almost like, oh, it's only took this long, but here I am and <laughs> yes. really enjoying it. And I think I'm putting it down to two things when I'm like thinking about it. One is the abilities that I've been able to enhance through my mindfulness-based practices is that the comfort a lot of it comes from the other person, but it's also me allowing that comfort to happen. And and as we were talking about earlier, like getting out of my head and into my body and not listening to those thoughts of, oh, you're going to come too quick or you're not good at this. They, they still pop up, but I can quite easily now just let them go. Hmm. And that's been a game changer. Amazing. The second thing I've been thinking about is like sexual compatibility. It's not a very sexy way to phrase it, but I've often thought about there's that inherent connection or that, that connection that we have with people that's based on they're really funny or we have similar interests or I actually learned so much from them because I didn't know about that or et cetera. And then there's like sexual attraction, but sexual attraction doesn't necessarily relate to sexual compatibility to me. It might be like, I think mm. you're hot. And then we get in the bedroom and it's like, oh, this is like, whoa, this ain't working. Like, mm. oh, no, you, that, that's different. Or, you know, just one of those things where you're not feeling both in the same kind of rhythm with it. Yes. And so I'm really enjoying some sexual compatibility at the moment where it feels like the, mm. the rhythm's really great and that's it. Oh, fuck yes. 
Mm. Brady, I love what you're saying here. I love that essentially it's felt like a, a time for you where you've like what you were saying around when we separated in your relationships from now until where you are now with this lovely woman that you've just described. It sounds like quite similar. I can resonate in the sense of like, okay, focusing on the sexual act as being the priority or focusing on the sexual connection as being a priority after not having it or feeling like we didn't, yeah, really, well, because of the elephant in the room. (laughs) It wasn't nurtured. It was forcefully nurtured. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, just that feeling of like really wanting to hone in on that. I can relate to that. And also how beautiful that you feel like you've had these encounters where you have been nurturing that part of yourself and that you feel like, actually, you know what? I fucking got it going on. And <laughs> actually, it's a good time mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than, oh my God, I'm never going to have sex in my life and we're going to have to artificially inseminate whoever I'm with. (laughs) Yeah. That's like pretty massive. And yeah, I guess just celebrating you and your journey and your bravery and relating beyond all of that. And yeah, it's just so beautiful and comforting to hear that like from such painful experiences, like so much magic can unfold from there and and you do have to sit in the discomfort and pain of that for a while and there's always going to be magic on the other end preach yeah yeah i appreciate that acknowledgement Mm. yeah feel very grateful and lucky to be in this position and just to be talking to you about it is a real honor and Mm. privilege amazing Mm. and it's so interesting as well because I think that there would have probably been a time I feel like there was a time maybe in the first like couple of years of when we were broken up that like I don't think I could have heard you talking about another woman and felt like actually like genuinely celebratory (laughs) for you (laughs) I'd have been like oh cool you know and I don't know how you would have felt about that but I think in recent in the last like we've been separated for four years now and I would say it's been a journey of us getting to this point where we're able to talk about our sex lives and talk about our relationships and and actually genuinely be like friendship support and hear each other on that. And for me, that's probably only been possible in the last like year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. How has that felt for you? Yeah, no, I totally relate to that. That initial healing period was definitely needed. Yeah. And I remember listening to your Juliet Allen podcast Mm. and I was driving while I was listening to it and I think you were recounting the story we just talked about earlier around the breakup in Cambodia and I started crying and it wasn't through sadness it was through like wow like look how much like how different I feel now compared to that time like I could really easily cast my mind back to that moment Mm. be like oh my goodness I feel so good now like that's amazing I'm so happy for myself (laughs) but also for you as well that Mm. you could express that and share your journey and ultimately hopefully in service to others of getting some kind of inspiration or maybe some hope or whatever comes from that it definitely took time Mm. and I think we were smart or maybe intuitive is a better word to not put pressure on that I think we both knew we would eventually get there yeah in terms of being really good friends and close and all of those amazing things but we weren't putting a time box on it yeah totally I'm really proud of how we've navigated all of it actually and so grateful for this friendship that we have it's so beautiful me too I love you I love you too (laughs) okay We're not going to keep harping on about the bloody marriage and the breakup and all of that shenanigans. Enough of that. (laughs) I would really like to ask you, with all of the wisdom that you have now based on the entirety of your life experience through your parents' breakup to moving to London to the things with your brother to our relationship to how you're relating now, all of it, what wisdom do you have that you would tell your younger self? Mm, 
the old time travel question. <laughs> I would probably say learn how to listen to your heart. Hmm. And I know my younger self would be like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so the explanation to go with it would be do as much as you can, put as much effort and time into figuring out how to listen to your heart. I'm not going to tell you how. That's for you to figure out. But that should be your focus because when you have an open corded or with your narco, your heart, it will always lead you to where you should be. And if I knew that earlier, I feel like I could have trusted myself more. I could have fulfilled my potential a lot more along the way and ultimately just feel safe with myself a lot more than I have in the past. Mm. Fuck yes, that is beautiful. Oh. All right, finally, last question, mm. most important question. Mm. Brady Polkinghorne, what is your favourite finger food? Maybe the hardest question of them all today. It's a hard one. says <laughs> a, a lot. Um, I would go for a tali, classic Indian Ooh. or Nepalese Ooh, tali. Ooh, yes to this. Might seem a little bit off brief. Not off brief at all. It's whatever your heart desires. Listen, follow your heart. you got to actually eat it with your fingers. <gasps> One must. So if anything, it's very on brief. It's very on brief. And just delicious and mm. great options. You know, you've got so many different little morsels to choose from. Good times eating with your hand, be a little bit more present with your meal. Mm. Mm. Yes, please. Divine, divine. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yes to Atali. I wish we had it on set. <laughs> That should be my thing, actually. You tell me your favorite finger food and I bring it on set. Sorry mm, about that. That's all right. You might get like curry and <laughs> chutneys all over the microphone. It's not ideal. Yeah. It's not ideal. <laughs> Brady, thank you so much for your time and your vulnerability and for just sharing your heart's truth. And yeah, this has been really beautiful and I feel emotional and I feel touched and I feel honored and really grateful for you so thank you mm, thanks to you too mm. yeah I really appreciate it it's been amazing to share and yeah just so proud of everything that you're doing and mm. how you're living and just doing such amazing things and it's mm. been a pleasure Thanks for dining with Finger Food. If you liked this conversation, you can tip your maitre d' by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to find more of my podcasts, go to stacyogorman.com. Stay safe, stay sexy. See you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.